This is episode number 10, titled So Much Healing Through Naturopathic Medicine with Dr. Michelle Wolford, NMD. And today, Lisa's going to be talking with Dr. Wolford a lot about naturopathic medicine. You're going to learn a lot about that. And it's fueled with passion and knowledge. We're going to be talking about gut, liver, lungs, gluten, soy, allergies, and adrenal glands. All of this on the Health and Wellness in Encinitas podcast. Hello, this is Lisa Thorpe with Intel Bio and Thorpe Institute of Integrated Medicine. This is Health and Wellness and Sinitas. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Today we have Michelle Wolford, naturopathic doctor here in Encinitas, California. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us um, who you are, what you do, and how this all came about. Oh gosh, <laughs> a lot of questions <laughs> in one. Um, so I've been practicing here in Encinitas for about five years. Um, prior to that, I was in Portland, Oregon. Um, I got my naturopathic medical degree from National College of Natural Medicine. And um, my specialty, uh, about 50% of my practice is pediatrics, and the other 50% is general care. So a lot of digestive health, hormones, um, people that are athletes that just want to get back on the field and they don't understand why they're having issues healing. So, I mean, it's anything. I mean, from cancer care to acute respiratory issues, allergies. So it's kind of very broad spectrum. We are general practitioners. So tell people, what is naturopathic medicine? Okay. So we actually have full medical school training, but integrated into that training is really learning the botanical medicine, homeopathy, nature care is really what it is. So it's about getting into the root of, of all medicine, into earth medicine, really connecting in with breath, with body, with spirit, with your mental emotional state, and restoring the natural physiology, the natural function of the body so that it can actually cure itself. Well, because it does. It heals itself it does. every every night. Uh, we're basically growing a new body, right? Um, well, actually, in the last hour of sleep, so it is good to have over seven hours of sleep, is when you do all the healing and repairing. So it is very important to get at least seven to eight wow. hours of sleep. And that's probably why we feel swollen and puffy if we don't get that <laughs> last hour, right? Yeah. Or the food or drink that we had the night before. Right. Yeah. So how did you decide to become a naturopath? Um, I was a college athlete and I had an injury and I saw my orthopedic surgeon for four years um, in conjunction with my physical therapist and I just couldn't get better. And he's like, I don't understand. You're young, you're healthy, you're vital. Why are you not healing? I mean, I was in a lot of pain. I had a stress fracture on my femur. So that is the, the long bone. It's what connects your hip to your knee for people that don't know their anatomy. And I had a stress fracture up at the top from overuse and we tried everything, um, I, but I was in utter pain. I couldn't walk more than a half of a mile without being in utter pain. And I was a junior Olympian gymnast as a child, so I could handle pain. Um, so he, we tried everything. I wasn't willing to try and pay medication, but we tried physical therapy. Um, we tried a lot of massage, and things weren't working. So he had gone to, he had been studying acupuncture on the side, 
And he ended up doing three acupuncture treatments on me, and I responded really, really well. And within, I don't know, maybe a month's time, I could walk a mile, which doesn't sound like a lot. But after four years, I was like, oh my gosh, I can walk a mile. And I moved here to San Diego, and I ended up hooking up with a naturopathic doctor just randomly. I was looking for alternative medicine acupuncturists. And she started doing biotherapeutic drainage on me. And within, gosh, I don't know, three months, I was able to run three miles, totally pain-free. So Now, what was the therapy that she did? She does biotherapeutic drainage therapy. So she and I are the only two doctors in San Diego area that practice this type of medicine. We both studied under Dr. Robert Abel and Dr. Dixon Tom. They are kind of the two uh, front runners that brought this medicine to the United States from a gentleman named Dr. Gerard Genot, who is a Belgium-French doctor. Um, it's phenomenal. It's combination herbal medicine and homeopathic medicine. comes in these small little tinctures. And it works off the Chinese medicine system as well as the naturopathic system. So one bottle will target an organ system, the next will drain it of its imbalances, and the third helps it heal and repair. So it's very specific medicine. So, and sounds like a great system. It's so a it's great like, system, right. yeah. And so naturopathic doctors, you know all the anatomy, physiology, you have tools like this. What other, what is the more, most common tools that naturopaths uh, use? Well, a lot of naturopathic doctors, I mean, we all practice very differently. So that's a hard question to answer. Some naturopathic doctors are really into IV therapy um, solely. Others are, um, are masters of botanicals and they really like to create their own compounds. Um, others really choose to just do homeopathy. Um, for like Dr. Wolf, she's the, the person that also studies biotherapeutic drainage with myself. Um, we love the combination of it all. Um, so that's a hard question to answer. So when you say the combination of it all, you're talking about the herbs, the um, homeopathic, and what else? So the drainage remedies are already combined, herbal remedies and homeopathic remedies. And they are in dilute doses. So it's all that the body can handle to stimulate an appropriate response, get rid of the toxins, allow room for healing. Nice. Yeah. And that's patient specific or is it, uh, you were saying organ specific. So yeah, it's, I mean, it becomes organ specific and patient specific. So there's, um, a thousand and two UNDA numbers. So these are, that's what they're called. And, um, you basically, after hearing what a patient has to say or based upon their labs or a combination of everything, you would decide, okay, let's say your small intestine's out of balance. So we'll give you this particular number. And, um, I see that there's a huge liver component. We really need to tell these cells, let's discharge this, you know, let's, let's hold on to that. So you choose a different number and there are more ideal combinations than others. Um, so there is some sort of, I would say, pattern to it, but it really is patient-specific. I mean, you could have a patient that has a lot of lung issues due to grief, and so you're going to choose one remedy over them having lung issues because their immune expression is out of balance. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it is rather detailed. It is special specialty medicine. And so how, how do you treat, because uh, you said half your practice are children. Yeah. So what's the difference when you're working with children uh, versus adults? They respond a lot more quickly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, kids are great. I mean, what I the, the form that I deliver the medicine in is all drop doses. So it's all liquid-based for the most part, which is easy because I do. I treat one-month-old babies to people in their 80s, and not everybody can or wants to swallow a pill. And sometimes that's too much for the body to handle anyways, especially mm -hmm. when you finally attune the system. Um, so yeah, so with the children, I mean, I just make the doses appropriate, but I treat them the same way as adults. I just, I look at what's going on with their immune
being function, function, like how are they expressing themselves? What's going on with their temperament, like their personality? How are they responding to the world around them? And um, how are they actually manifesting things inside their body? And then really their constitution, which is kind of like what mom and dad gave them, what they kind of came into this world with. And we all came in with a different purpose and different spiritual paths. So That's great. Yeah. And I, I love that it's very um, uh, comfortable. Like the, uh, you have like a drop of something to put. Now, do you have them put it in like some juice or do they just put it right in the mouth? It's obviously, it's not like trying to force feed medicine, which is a tough thing to do with kids. Yeah, no, no, no. It, the kids love it. I mean, I should show you some of the pictures on my phone. Over Thanksgiving, I had patients like sending me pictures of their kids being like, thanks for Dr. Wolfer. <laughs> it was really cute. Um, the kids love it because it the taste is definitely bearable. And I would say 90% of the kids will just take it right in their mouth, which is ideally how it's done. Um, for kids that are having issues with, uh, you know, the palliation of it, then I would just say, okay, a little bit of water, you know, just drop the doses in a little bit of water. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's such a huge thing with kids. Cause it's, if, if you don't want to have to force them or, or it be unpalatable and then, yeah, you're having to put it in sugar, something sugary. And yeah. so it's good to avoid that. So I usually ask people, you know, for a for a major turning point uh, in your in your life, and I think you already gave us one because yeah. you talked about your injury. Is there another point in your life that was very pivotal? Um, yeah, three years ago, my father passed away unexpectedly. That mm. was pretty pivotal. That's yeah. Tough. yeah. And how do you feel that's affected your practice or has it changed you as a person? Um, you know, it's interesting. My, my father was 59. He was, um, you know, he had his nine to five. He was an engineer, but he also had played tennis his entire life. And he played uh, semi-professionally. He was a 5055 player and played oftentimes in senior, men's senior leagues. So he was extremely healthy. No meds, you know, um, very is interested in alternative care. Didn't always necessarily follow it or take it, but uh, very supportive, um, at least mentally. <laughs> um, you know, I think he had passed away for a particular reason. Um, he had died on the tennis court um, in the middle of a tournament, actually. Wow. And it was one of those things where, in hindsight, I think my mother was stuck spiritually, and she wouldn't have known it. And my brother was kind of potentially heading down not such a successful path. And I was doing great. I had just opened up my business, my own business here. He helped me build out my practice, like the physical build out. Um, but I also kind of felt stuck. I was like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to run a business and I love helping patients. And I think I took on more than, than I realized. Like I was like, wow, I actually really just want to take care of my patients. I don't know if I want to run a business. And so his death really catapulted us all to our next level of living and our next level of being. I mean, my mother really had to discover, you know, who am I alone? They've been together since they were 14 years old. Wow. Yeah, and she's 60 now. Um, and my brother really had to step up to the plate and be like, you know, I can't be a little kid anymore. Like, I need to know what it means to be a man. And for me, it really catapulted me more into my spiritual practice and, um, you know, some of my patients are really open and interested in that. And I do a lot of, you know, Reiki healings or shamanic medicine. I studied with a Native American spirit healer in Portland for four years. 
Um, and it just gave me the courage to really dive more into that spirituality. And the patients that aren't into it, that's fine. You know, it's we all have our different callings, so that's okay. That's still a wonderful <clears throat> resource for people that understand and are, are interested yeah. and want to go there. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful that you see the loss of your dad as this pivotal, and that you see it as how it changed you and your family for the better. I think it's so easy when we go through such a devastating loss to just get stuck in the grief of it. Of course. You know, and of course you go through the grief, but if you can if you can have that kind of perspective like you do, it's magnificent and I think um I just that's awesome. Well, it's quite honestly it's rather freeing and it's extremely expansive. And I've been kind of coaching my mom and my brother through this process because I think due to the nature of the game, you know, the profession I chose and my own personality, I've um gathered a lot of tools along the way and um They've had a really hard time understanding and accepting it. And I would say in this last year, they're both like, oh, my God, I get it. And, of course, it's sad. I miss my father. I dream of him every now and again. You know, I've even woken up crying because I just miss him so much. But if you can really just understand that life truly does happen for a reason and we're all here to expand and have these, like, beautiful lessons of expansion and it's about giving and loving and being and receiving. And if we just stop placing judgments on things, I know that just sounds, like, so crazy maybe for some, but... It, it's such an expansive place to live, and there's so many amazing things that you can do from that space. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's a pretty that's a um, very uh, conscious and amazing perspective that anyone can achieve when they're able to get out of survival. Right. Yeah. Of I mean, course. that's that's being able to get out of that um, uh, inner brain fight flight freeze survival mode and into our frontal lobe into our higher consciousness and then we start to experience rational and then beauty and love and creative expression and uh all of the things that that you're talking about and being able to have a perspective Mm -hmm. uh, especially of great loss um which is amazing so i just want to um let callers know if you have any comments or questions uh that you can call in at 206 Six zero zero two four seven five. You can also go to the website, which is Health and Wellness Encinitas. All of the show notes, the links to Michelle's business, her uh, her practice, all of the information about what we're talking about. There will be plenty of notes and and contact at Health and Wellness. And Sinitas. And please, we'd love to hear from you. We so appreciate that you're listening and uh, you're welcome and encouraged to call in and make comments or ask questions. And the phone number, once again, is 206 600 2475. And back to Michelle. So, Michelle, maybe we could walk through uh, a, a case, a recent patient of yours from start to finish, like what, what it is like to come to a naturopathic doctor. Okay. Let me think of a good case. You know, the first one that popped into my mind, obviously we're HIPAA compliant here, so no names, Right. but I treated, um, a five-year-old girl that came into my practice. I can give you a child and then we can talk about an adult, but, um, a five-year-old girl that came into my practice and she had what we call blue bloaters. Um, her lips were all blue. She could barely get a good breath. She wasn't getting, um, high enough oxygen and that's why somebody's lips would turn blue. And she came in, and when she was saying my name, she was like, Hi, Dr. Wolford. I mean, it was just like so asthmatic, really. Um, 
And, you know, when I saw her, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, the first thing that pops in my head was, should I call 911 or do I, do I actually just treat her? And, you know, we got to talking and, uh, the way that the visit goes is we'll go over the new patient intake form, which is extremely detailed. Um, I want to know everything from, especially with kids, like, were you a vaginal birth? Were you C-section? Were you breastfed? Were you formula fed? What was mom's birth like? What kind of sicknesses did mom and dad have even prior to the birth? Like all of that information is actually very important. So she came in and I had seen that actually was more of a GI related issue than a lung issue. And actually, really, the lungs don't really start developing until around the age of seven. So most diagnoses of asthma before the age of seven are not truly asthmatic. They're usually more GI in origin or maybe even the central nervous system, you know, a little bit of anxiety or something like that. So she'd come in. We had um, she was on a completely vegetarian diet eating soy for every meal that, yeah, I know. And it was not organic and, um, a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar and great parents. I mean, they were definitely thought they were doing the best job. And, um, and sometimes it's just about education, you know? Right. And so we had, uh, actually we started by first cleaning up her liver so the body could actually, uh, detox the, the toxins and, uh, kind of delegate. What do I want to keep? What do I not want to keep? Um, after that, we, we actually didn't even do a food sensitivity panel on her. We just had them cut the soy back by 50% because they wanted to stay vegetarian and increase the fruits and vegetables. And I always try to meet my patients where they're at. I mean, sometimes right. I'm like, I'm sorry, like I can't compromise. I mean, I definitely can be hard if I feel like it's, I need to be, but I'm always willing to at least start by compromising. And, um, you know, did a physical exam. Stomach was a little um, swollen, a little distended, a little congested. So second round, we did GI remedies. And by the third time I saw her, she was playing soccer on a soccer field. Yeah. And so we we finished with lung remedies just to make sure that there wasn't any sort of residual because the immune system develops in all of our mucous membranes. And that includes our lungs and our digestive tract. And she's been great. And it's been about three years since the first time I seen her and she's doing phenomenal. So you attribute the what seemed like an asthmatic issue in this five year old to inflammation as a result of her diet. Yeah. Well, one of my mentors had told me that you can't have asthma before the age of seven. And I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, at first when he had told me this, I was like, I don't, okay, sounds good. And he said that organ system does not really start developing until seven. So if you have a kid that has or presents with asthma before the age of seven, he's like, do not treat the lungs. You will not be successful. And so he said, treat the gut, treat the liver. And I've always done that. And it's just, it's just been true for me. So would it hold true then that over seven, that even if the lungs are presenting presenting um, as an issue that probably the gut and the, the liver need to be treated. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. Yeah. It's just usually at that point in time, um, they may have actually developed some significant physiological imbalances in the lungs. And so at that point, you would actually also need to treat the lungs. Whereas sometimes I've got younger kids that have been diagnosed with asthma, like, you know, three or four, and I'll never treat the lungs. You know, they come in for asthma and I've never, ever even treated their lungs. And and when we talk about diet that causes inflammation, um, we talked about soy, carbohydrates, sugar. I mean, yeah. obviously sugar. We want to cut back on sugar. Yeah. Um, what do you recommend about soy? Um, well, I don't particularly care for soy. I know it's kind of a hot topic. There's a lot of very well-educated doctors that are all about soy as long as it's GMO-free and organic. And then there's a lot of also really well-educated doctors that say no soy, no soy. So I'm kind of on the no soy category. Um 
I just and and I agree, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I know why. I personally react yeah. to it, and I and I've read a lot of research about how it interacts in the body. But how, why why is it that you don't eat soy, or or your you know why you would tell people to back off? And and I obviously we wouldn't want people. We would recommend not eating um, non organic or non GMO because that's toxic. Of course. Well, let me start off by saying that everybody's body is different. So I'm going to, you know, make a generalized statement and this is a generalized statement for me. And again, I treat every patient differently because I really see That's great. Yeah, how that particular right. Cuz it's not it's yeah. not a sweeping generalization and I, yeah. I, I agree. And I've had some some patients that have done soy and they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's been really great for me and balancing out my hormones." But generally speaking, for the patients I seem to attract, for me, it seems to keep my hormones out of balance. Um, soy is estrogenic by nature. And so I typically don't recommend soy to women mainly because of that. Um, it's not great for kids. There are a lot of our foods, our water sources, um, have a lot of estrogen in it anyways, just because things can't always be filtered out. So I really try to avoid it from that standpoint. And I would say 95% of soy is not organic or GMO free. Um, now that could be changing. I don't follow soy, um, as closely as I used to. So I'm not the most educated individual, um, on soy currently up to date. Um, it's just, most of my patients don't react very well to it, and I've right. seen it. And yeah, when we say estrogenic, mm-hmm. you know, so some, people, some people may not understand what it means for okay. a food like soy to be estrogenic. So what does that mean? How, what is that doing to the body? Okay. So you have three main uh, sex hormones. You have your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone. This is very liaison terms here. And, um, and so there are foods that are more progesteronic in nature, meaning that their chemical makeup, whether it's like their oils or, again, the chemical makeup, they actually promote more progesterone in the body, just mm-hmm. the way everything binds and talks to each other, etc. And then there are foods that increase testosterone. There's foods that can help increase estrogen. And so soy is an estrogenic-based food. Um, oysters, you hear oysters all the time being it's a more testosterone-based food. So it's it's the minerals, it's the biochemical makeup of those foods. Um, it could be the oils in that food. For example, I do a lot of seed rotations with my women, um, and I'll have them do like flaxseed the first half of their cycle and sesame the second, and it's because flax will actually help bind to those free estrogens that we don't want and help pull them out, balancing our estrogen levels. And then the sesame does the same thing for the progesterone. So it's not that it's like, okay, I'm giving you a progesterone pill or an estrogen pill in this food. It's just that the way it communicates to the body on a biochemical level, that's the effect that it has. And so especially because you said especially for women because they don't need additional estrogen and they especially don't need estrogen that's uh, non-GMO. Yeah. I mean, some women need estrogen, but for the most part, I would say doing ground flax seeds is probably your best option. Gotcha. Helps strip you of those free estrogens that are not very healthy and it helps balance out your body so you have the appropriate amount of estrogen. But what about men? Um, men do have a little bit of estrogen in them too. Um, ground flaxseed is great for them, but I prefer pumpkin seed because it's higher in zinc and selenium. So that's really great for their prostate. And so, but as far as soy is concerned, do you think that it's okay for men to eat soy? Um, and I know it's patient specific. <clears throat> no, patient specific, of course. But the thing is, is that again, there's so many, like our water source, our water source has a lot of estrogen and progesterones that have been leached from chemicals, like from birth control pills that end up in our water source just from not dumping our stuff appropriately. And so we are getting free exogenous, so outside of the body, estrogens, progesterones, testosterones in our body all the time. So adding in something like soy, even for a guy, typically isn't that great. Right. Yeah. And 
We also, you also mentioned about uh, carbohydrates. This is a big thing being talked about now. You know, it used to be, oh, you need carbohydrates. Yeah. But now everybody is talking about, uh, like, the book Grain Brain, about yeah. how carbohydrates break, break down to sugars and actually cause inflammation. What's your stance on that? I would definitely agree with it. Um, I'm not fully paleo. I know that's kind of been a hot topic lately as well. But I would say maybe 10 percent of my diet is grains. Um, I am gluten-free. I try to stay away from corn. Um, so it's mainly like rice and quinoa. Um, but yeah, grains typically aren't that great for people, mainly because we overindulge in them. And, um, and it's the source, you know, it's where they're grown, what chemicals, herbicides or pesticides are sprayed on them. It's how they're processed, manufactured, where they're sitting, are they growing molds? Um, you know, our actual soil source. I mean, there's so many things that Go into yeah, them into, before yeah. <laughs> they reach the table. Yeah. So you were talking uh, before we started today yeah. that you just got back from an amazing trip and that you ate gluten. I did. <laughs> First time in eight years. I, I mean, we were in Cuba. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but we were in Cuba and we were in Mexico. And um, yeah, we didn't have the choices um, we weren't always able to choose what it is that we wanted to eat. Sometimes things were just served to us. And I figured, you know, it's been interesting. I have been gluten-free um, 100% for eight years. So I'm kind of curious how my body would respond. And in the first two weeks, it wasn't bad at all. I was like, actually, I'm pretty resilient. This is interesting. And um, about week three, because we were gone for four weeks, I was like, oh, I'm a little stuffy. Like, I just like don't feel right. My stools, you know, my bowel habits began to slow a little bit. Um, felt kind of achy in the morning. And um, just now being back, I'm very, still very congested. And I haven't treated myself with remedies yet because I'm just, I was kind of curious how long it would take to naturally get out of my system without any sort of assistance. And uh, we just bought a Christmas tree last night and my nose has been crazy. And it's not the Christmas tree. I want people to know that. Like when you have allergies, it's your liver, it's your gut, and it's your adrenal glands. Right. So if you're not resting, if you're not, you know, de-stressing yourself somehow, your adrenal glands will be out of whack. And if you're not eating an appropriate diet and having great bowel habits um, or bowel movements, then you congest your system. So you get this toxic overload. And if your liver, which is like a filter to a fish tank, is not properly filtering, filtering out everything, then you just, you get even more congested. And that's how allergies happen. And that's how allergies happen. And that's what's happened to me. I mean, we were we were living a lifestyle that we don't typically live, you know, staying up late and drinking alcohol, which we don't drink a lot of alcohol. And we were traveling. We were on a lot of you planes. Were, you were on your honeymoon. We were on my honeymoon. <laughs> you were having fun. We were all dancing till three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Beautiful. So all three of those things, triple whammy. And um, yeah, so it's, I love it. I mean, I actually kind of love it because it's amazing to know it and then to see it in your own body and then you know treat people or yourself yeah. so are you going to are you going to treat yourself now yeah i am yeah, yeah. I, this morning i was like you know what i was <laughs> i was going to treat myself before i came in here to see what kind of effect i could have in like 5 to 10 minutes but yeah i will i'll use those unda numbers i was talking about i'll target my small intestine um, i'll take this product which i love called algen it's got three herbs one targets the liver one targets the kidneys one targets the adrenal glands and um, hopefully not too much information for our listeners but i'll probably get a colonic and um, i do my casserole packs every night so castor oil packs yeah uh, what kind how oh my gosh if there is one I'm thing, a big fan yes I, I mean I only use them when I was uh, nursing okay. and I had mastitis and okay. every time it worked like a charm and I've often in the back of my head going I have thought 
you know, it must be great for other things. And I've never used it for anything else. So I'm very intrigued to know. Okay. Colonics, if there's one thing I could recommend to everybody, it's do, I mean, excuse me, do your castor oil packs. I mean, they are so amazing. Oh, so you're actually talking castor oil colonic. No, no, no. My bad. I, I misspoke there. Oh, yeah. okay. So do your castor oil packs. Colonic was totally separate. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, that was my bad. I misspoke. Um, yeah, castor oil packs are phenomenal. If there's one thing you can do, do a castor oil pack. So basically, you rub the castor oil, so it kind of comes out as a viscous oil, as you know. It's Some very of our, sticky, yeah. thick oil. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely make sure it comes in a glass bottle. Make sure it's organic. I mean, it's a chelator. It's going to pull toxins out. Oh, so Good to know. Yeah, so don't go getting it in the plastic bottles or, you know, non-organic. And then you're going to rub it on your liver, which is below your right breast. And then I just tell people, just put a heating pack on top, lowest heat possible, or you can get those beans that you throw in the... I've used a hot water bottle. Okay, hot water bottle. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And if you could keep the water hot for 20 to 40 minutes, then that, that's perfect. So basically the oil will seep into through the skin into the liver. It'll bring all of the red blood cells and the white blood cells to the area. And the white blood cells is what's going to do kind of the healing. So there are these little things we call them macrophages or Pac-Mans and they just come and they eat away all the bad stuff. And so it's very detoxifying to the body, helps break down excess hormones, breaks down fat cells, um, cleans up the liver. It's great for your nervous system. So it calms people, relaxes them, helps them sleep. Um, stimulates a bowel movement. Not that you'll have one like right there, but people always say, oh my gosh, I had a great bowel movement in the morning. Well, and that sounds easier. So the, the method that I used and this, my midwife told me when okay. I, w during my first, uh, having my first child and nursing and I got mastitis um, a few times uh, throughout both um, children, ha raising both children. And we were told, I was told to use uh, wool mm -hmm. and soak the wool with the castor oil and then put it on the skin with a hot pack of some sort. And that was a little bit, I think it's your way of doing it. Just putting the oil on the skin is going to be easier because that the oily <laughs> and it's so sticky. <laughs> so this is great. I'm going to do castor oil yeah. uh, for the liver. That's great. And your midwife has it correct. I just yeah. found that I have more compliant patients when they don't have to like douse the pack and then the next morning put right. it in the refrigerator. Make it simpler. Yeah. So I try to make it simpler and it works just as well. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. Castor oil. And Going back to colonics, because this is controversial. Some people okay. say yes, some people say no. Yeah. Um, why do you say yes? Yeah, again, case dependent. You know, if somebody has like inflammation in the colon um, or if somebody's pregnant or if somebody's having any sort of heart or kidney issues, I, I would most likely not recommend it. Um, there's been cases where I felt like it was indicated and it worked out really well. Um, but I'm all about it. I mean, the thing is, is that... If, if you've been impacted for a really long time in your intestines, your intestines are like 33 feet long. <laughs> and if you can imagine, let's say you spent the first 20 years of your life not being very, not a conscious eater. You're eating McDonald's or maybe you're eating healthy foods as well. I don't know. You're eating all sorts of things. Or maybe you have an immaculate diet, but you're eating gluten and dairy and soy and a little coffee, sugar. Coffee, sugar, yeah, sugar. Right, yeah. But you just, you don't, you're like, oh, I never react. I mean, the thing is, is that some people are really great at eliminating. Some people are really great at moving stuff through. Some people are too good at it. Um, some people are not good at it. So you have these little guys that are called pili. I wish people could see me in my hand movements right now, but if you can imagine um, like a like a little war or like your carpet, that's the best way I can yeah. describe it. It's like your carpet. So it's like the inside of your intestines. Yeah. Um, sometimes those guys, they can, if you're eating foods all the time that your body's sensitive to, those little like carpet finger, things. Finger-like finger structures. Finger -like the structures. microvilli, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll end up actually shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. 
um, which isn't good because then you're not absorbing your nutrients. Right. Um, for some people, they don't shrink, but maybe they're just extremely impacted. So I think colonics are great. Um, I recommend it to a lot of my patients. Um, it just helps move the stool through. It helps clean up the large intestine. It won't actually clean the small intestine, but it gives room for the small intestine to do, to dump appropriately. Right. So yeah. it's it's kind of a, a vacuum effect. You If you <laughs> can get the large intestine, yeah. and, and I'm glad you pointed that out because a colonic is only addressing... Uh, the very last part of the intestine, yeah. which is the colon and the large intestine. And it does it, will it actually get the ascending colon or? Yeah, it can it will, for sure. Yeah, it'll stop at the ileocecal valve. So that's the valve that separates the small intestine from the large intestine. Um, and it, it, that's as far as it will go. So it always stays in the large intestine. And yeah. once the large intestine is releasing all, any built up plaque, then the small intestine can uh, continue to now. Do you recommend people do something else for the small intestine? Um, well, I mean the castor packs are great, and then I will give remedies that actually are specific to the small intestine. Um, so I think that's a great thing to do. But you know the ca- the uh, excuse me the colonics is really really beneficial. Yeah. And now some places that uh, I'm aware of they do things like uh, wheatgrass or coffee. Yeah. What, what do you think about? Like the coffee enema thing. Um, so the coffee enema, I think it can be great for some people. Um, I know there's been a lot of great results for cancer patients. Um, what the coffee Gerson method, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. What the coffee is going to do is it's going to stimulate the liver, so it's going to flush out the toxins. Um, it also will stimulate the peristalsis, so that's the movement of the stool because it's going to have an effect on the nervous system as it absorbs through um, the, the intestinal walls. So for some people, I think it's really great. It can be somewhat dehydrating, so I definitely definitely say, you know, drink a lot of water. (laughs) And I'm not a huge proponent, me personally and the patients that I, again, seem to be attracting of doing, like every colonic shouldn't be uh, a coffee enema or a coffee colonic. Um, I know nothing about the wheatgrass one, so I'm a terrible person to ask for that. Um, (laughs) Or some people will do the probiotics in the water for a final flush. And I think that could be helpful, but, you know, taking them orally is great because it really touches on every aspect um, of the intestinal tract from start to finish. So you mentioned the castor oil pack as being one of your number one tips. Would, yeah. Is that what you would say your number one wellness tip? Yeah, I probably would. I mean, besides drinking water, people don't drink enough water. Um, you know, they, we have terrible sleeping clean habits. Clean water. Yeah, clean water. And we don't breathe. I mean, you know, there are some like basic things that anybody could do at home to improve their life. But if you were to walk out of my office and if you're like, you can only give me one thing, I would probably give you castor oil. <laughs> Great. Yeah. In addition to the obvious, drink more clean yeah. water, yeah. breathe deeper more often. Yeah. yeah. Smile, laugh, play. <laughs> Yay. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and, and I am glad we'll have photos because you are so beautiful and amazing. And I have to tell you, I, I saw a photo of you with your dad on Facebook oh, when you, you were did? a little girl. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I didn't mention it back then, but it was just such a beautiful photo. I'm glad that we got to talk about him. Thank you. And I, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up the show? Yeah, you know, just kind of going back to the, the father aspect of things, you know, I really, I think, I really want patients to know that there's so much healing that you can do through natural medicine. And there are so many other great healers and ways of going down a healing path out there. But I mean, I did flower essence and I did the Unda therapies and, you know, homeopathy, and it really helped shift me and my perspective, what I was attracting energetically, um, my perspectives on life. 
I mean, yeah, it was meditation or, you know, seeing again, different healers, but for me, and maybe this is just my personal path, but natural medicine can really do that for people. So if that is what you want, natural medicine can support you that way. And I think the reason I want to emphasize that is there's been a lot of naturopathic doctors who have chosen to just go the physical route, which is awesome. And there's a lot of naturopathic doctors that um, have chosen to integrate the spiritual route into that, which I think is equally as awesome. But patients don't always know that. Sometimes they see us as just an alternative type of MD, or maybe they just see us as spiritual. And um, I would say if there is a naturopath that you're interested in, give them a call. You know, whether it's me or somebody else, call. Say, I just want to talk to the doctor for 15 minutes. Like, do you resonate with me? Can you offer me what I'm looking for? And, you know, not every doctor can offer you what you're looking for. Yeah, so I it's love that. worth the phone call. Yeah. I, 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 t- I always tell patients, please call a bunch of different practitioners totally. and find somebody that you really feel like you can relate to. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to get better results if you feel like you're actually talking to a friend and feel like you can be relaxed with that person. Yeah, I would agree. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. What drives you? Hmm. I'm just kind of tuning into myself here. I think when I see a patient, well, that's going to bring tears to my eyes. <laughs> when you see a patient really get like that aha moment and they really know that they are improving their life, that they are living authentically and with integrity and with responsibility for the enrichment of their life and the life of others. I really am going to tear up on this one. Um, it is such a beautiful thing to witness. And that's what drives me, knowing that people can actually heal themselves, um, seeing people grow and just drop all of their stories, drop the baggage, the judgments. And when you drop that, the physical stuff drops too. And just watching somebody blossom. And I've been on my own journey. You know, I'm, I, I'm sitting on the other side, you know, having my own experience as well. So that's what drives me, is being able to see somebody go through their own beautiful immersion and really transform. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I just texted a very good friend of mine who I'm I'm attempting to support through a self-healing process. And I said, I texted her, I said, you know, it's probably the littlest known secret that we all have the ability to heal ourselves and heal each other. Yeah. And love helps. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) A lot. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. This show was produced by John Beethan and brought to you by Alkaway.com, the makers of UltraStream, working like nature to filter, alkalize, and naturally energize water, returning it to its natural, pristine state.